0: Have you seen the love of Jesus in your life? This is Wednesday, June 14th, and this week we've been trying to get to the bottom of the scene at the Passover meal, the scene when Judas leaves the meal to betray Jesus. This moment is filled with drama, and that's where we pick up in our text for today, John chapter 13, verse 21 to 26. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him, and Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Now the drama is deep here. Imagine Jesus knowing what Judas has done and what he's been thinking, and yet also washing his feet. How must this affect Judas? Jesus has stooped and condescended to do this act of shocking service that shows love. Jesus didn't skip Judas in the foot washing. Instead, there's every indication that Jesus loves Judas to the end. Perhaps we don't see this about Jesus. We think he loves those that love him, or that somehow we can lose his love if we turn away from him. The truth is that he's loving us when we fail him, when we deny him, and even when we betray him. We see this love of Jesus until the last moment. How so? Well, beyond the foot washing as we hear the details of the dinner— it's clear that Jesus has given Judas the seat of honor. We know the apostle John, that one that is the one that Jesus loved that's talked about here, was on the right side of Jesus, the place where he could easily speak personally with him. This is why Peter asked John to ask Jesus which of the disciples he's referring to when he says that one will betray him. But on the other side of Jesus, the left side, is Judas. How do we know this? This is the person Jesus is best positioned to be able to serve. And because of this, the seat to the left of the host was considered the seat of honor. Imagine Jesus saying to Judas that night, I would like you to sit beside me. Jesus had to have said something like that since the host would determine where everyone is seated. Judas was given the place of greatest honor right next to Jesus. Then Jesus gave him a piece of bread, dipped with a savory mixture that was common to share at the Passover meal. This, too, was a way of showing love and honor to Judas by Jesus. This is one of the reasons why the disciples could not see Judas for what he was. Everything Jesus did showed his love for Judas and was a way of setting him apart and honoring him. Now, there's so much we can learn from Jesus's love and treatment of Judas. How do you treat the person that has hurt you or the person you know opposes you and stands against you? I think of the words of the Apostle Paul, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. That's Romans 129 to 10. You see, Jesus is doing just this. Think of what we might do in a situation like this. We might play the victim. I can't believe what this person is doing to me. Or we could seek revenge, waiting for the perfect moment to strike back at the one who is struck out against us. To seek revenge almost seems natural, as natural as breathing. We respond this way by nature. You hurt me, you'll regret it because I'll hurt you. But this is not Jesus. Here's what Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? That's Matthew 5, verse 43 to 46. I'm told that the favorite verse of the believers in the early church was not, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. But this verse, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why would that be the case? Well, two reasons, really. First, this is what Jesus has done with us. When we were far away and enemies of God, Jesus loved us and redeemed us. But second, because the love of one's enemies most puts on display the power of God's grace at work in you. This is why Jesus says that when we do this, we are children of our heavenly Father. So yes, until Judas left the Passover meal and went into the night, Jesus consistently showed him love, a costly love. Now, when we're called to love our enemy, that doesn't mean that we become doormats for the evil people around us. No, that would be too easy. It's easy to let people walk over you, to be passive and tolerant. That is in comparison to active love. That only Jesus can bring about in and through us. Let's pray. Father, we don't admit that we have enemies because we're supposed to be nice people and to get along with everyone. But we know what it means to hold on to offenses, to remember the time we were hurt or slighted, Teach us the way of love that is found in Jesus, that we might be children of you, our Father in heaven. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.